after that beautiful chorus there. Let's, let's pray. Father, I again thank you for the opportunity to meet tonight. And Father, I thank you that you are forever our King Jesus. And I thank you of other songs that we've sang tonight. I thank you that every day we are constrained to be debtors to your grace. That you have just rescued us and you have lavished and freely bestowed your grace upon us. And Father, I thank you and praise you for that tonight. Father, just meet with us right now. Help us to understand the scripture. Help us to follow you and to worship you in spirit and truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So anybody remember what book we're studying on Sunday nights? Ephesians, right? So we began a, a couple of weeks ago. We just kind of did the first two verses, really. And we looked back in the book of Acts to see some of the history that had been going on, some of the other things that had happened in uh, Ephesus. And one of the things I wanted to point out to you was Paul knew this congregation very well. This wasn't just some dry letter. This was a, a group of people he cared about. He had spent at least three years of his life in this city, mentoring them, teaching them, sharing the gospel with them. And uh, then he, in later years as he left, he told them and warned them, look, wolves are coming. There's false teachers ready to come in. And he would even at some point send Timothy to be their pastor. We also know later on in history, uh, John, the gospel writer, was their pastor in Ephesus for a while, as well as some others. We even mentioned that it's possible that Mary spent her last years there with the gospel, with the gospel writer of John. And so we see all that just to get us into the text today. And we're going to be studying uh, verses 3 through 14. And I gave you a handout, and I'll explain that in a minute. And one thing I do want you to know is that you can interact with me tonight. I know that this is a sermon, and I know that we're online and those kind of things. But if I ask questions, you actually can answer. And if you have questions, you can ask it. And you know what they say, there are no dumb questions. And that's not true. So David, don't ask me any questions tonight, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're going to start out. Here's what I would like us to do. We're just going to read through the text, and then we're going to walk back through it together. Uh, and I have notes. I can do this in a sermon form, a, dial, a monologue if I have to. But I prefer that we interact with this text together. Uh, so let's read it. We're going to read the, the entire text. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, 
who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Amen. And you may be seated. Church, this is God's word for us tonight. Isn't that a beautiful passage? And it speaks all about how God, about God's grace. But let me not jump ahead of ourselves. I want to remind you as you read Ephesians, okay? And I do want you to go home, and if you haven't read the letter, just sit down one day and read through Ephesians. If it takes you a couple of sittings, that's fine, but it doesn't take very long. Here's what I want you to see, remember. As you read those first couple of chapters, you'll notice he builds up this theological framework. There's this beautiful part of this where he goes through the gospel, not once, but twice. He goes through the gospel here in chapter 1, and we kind of get a bird's eye view. What does the salvation look like from God's perspective? Okay, we kind of get the top-down view. We start today with a soaring passage this kind of, we see the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We never come down off of that spiritual high place. The gospel is glorious. Next week, we'll kind of see the, the gospel from our perspective. And it starts out as low as you can get with us being dead in our spiritual uh, sins and trespasses. And so because we see that, we see a different view. But today, we're looking at this from God's vantage point, if you will. Now, why did, we do, why did I choose verses 3 through 14? Well, if you look at the original text, this is one long sentence. If you like to do sentence diagramming, this is an ugly one, okay? It's a beautiful passage, but it is not a fun sentence diagram. Thankfully, in English, we have broken it up into smaller sections so we can understand it a little more easily. Uh, thankfully, we don't have to have this one big convoluted sentence. But let's just start, let's just start at number, in verse number three. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, if I tell you verse three really tells us what this whole sentence or passage is about, somebody tell me, what are we studying tonight? What is this about? God, all right, we got one right answer blessings okay so god has blessed us right with what all right we have salvation we have christ specifically in verse three it says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places all right now that says a lot now sometimes you go back and you look at the old testament and there were some blessings that of course were spiritual in nature but they're also physical right sometimes they were blessed with land or heirs or wives, or whatever that might be. And sometimes we're blessed, of course, in those kind of ways too. But he said specifically, these are spiritual blessings. We are on the topic of salvation and all the things that God has done for us tonight. But it says that he's blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Your Bibles might say the heavenlies. And I begin to wonder, well, what in the world does he mean he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Well, I think if you, when you look that word up and you do some research and some study, it seems that we're talking about the highest level of heaven. This is the place where God's throne is. And so I would say this, there's not a blessing in this universe that God holds back from his people. In other words, when it comes to spiritual blessings, when it comes to salvation, there's absolutely nothing from here to the highest heaven where God is that he is holding back. He has all those good things planned for us. Now, we actually skipped something when I asked what this was about in verse 3. The very first line 
isn't about the blessings. It's actually about us blessing him, isn't it? Verse 3 say, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One other night I, I was teaching here and I mentioned, listen, this blessed be God thing. How is it that we bless him? Well, we speak well of him. We praise him is what that means. And so as we get to this verse, it is all about God's praise because of, and praising him for what he has done. Look down on your paper. There's some things that are in yellow. And we're going to come back to these as we go through. But just to point out that this whole thing is about us blessing and praising our God. It says why he do, has done these things in verse uh, in verse 5, the yellow says, it's, all this is to the praise of the glory of His grace. That we would be, every, everything He does is so that He would receive the praise of the glory of His grace. And then we, you can look down at the, in, in verse 12, it goes back to it again, to the pray, all this is to the praise of His glory. It's about Him. And then at the, in verse 14, it comes back again one more time, to the praise of his glory. Well, if he mentioned that at least three times in one sentence, don't we think maybe that's important for us? Why does God do the things that he does? For the praise of his glory, right? Everything from the beginning, everything that he has set in motion that he does, he does so that he'll receive the praise of it. And not just any praise, but we praise him for his grace tonight, don't we? Isn't that the song that we sing? We're singing, um, it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Isn't that the, what we get to t in all this tonight? That there's grace, his unmerited, undeserved favor and kindness poured out on us, specifically in salvation in Christ. All that is there. Now, as we begin to look at what every spiritual, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is, I want to tell you that there's at least six spiritual blessings listed in the text tonight. And what I did on this paper, I just this is a thought flow diagram for me. Okay, So it's laid out in a way that just kind of logically makes sense to me. For instance, in verse 3, it said, Blessed be God. And then you look underneath that, it's describing God. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? And as you look down, things that are on the far left, those are main ideas in the text. And the things on the, that, are a little, that are indented a little bit, they're supporting that. They're talking about it. So there's at least six main things if you kind of go through. Blessed be God. Why is that? Look at verse 4. What has he done for us? It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. So what we see immediately is before the foundation of the world, before God created anything at all, the earth was formless and void. It says that he chose us in Christ. And he chose us for a specific purpose. And the purpose is given to us there in verse 4 as well. What is it, as he chose us in Christ, what is it that we would be? Holy and blameless, right? See, this isn't that hard. You guys got it. He, call, he chose us in him, to, and he had a plan from the very beginning to make us holy and blameless before him. Now, we've got to get into the, what this means, and the good news is, is it tells us that he chose us in Christ, right? Because I know I am not holy or blameless before him on my own. 
I mean, just if you want to, if you want to prove that, go ask my children, or my wife, or uh, ask my mother and father-in-law. I guess, and uh, we can just begin to go through this, and you can just realize. Listen, I'm not holy or blameless on my own, and yet I'm counted as righteous. I'm counted because as righteous and holy because of Him. Now, what that means is there's a there's always this already not yet in the text. And what I mean by that is the scripture says you have been called and declared to be holy because Jesus is holy. When you were saved, we talked about that union with him this morning, that we are now united with him. And so we get all the benefits of his death and resurrection. We are declared to be holy. So one of the blessings is this. Why do we praise God? He chose you, Stephen, before the foundation of the world. He loves you. Even there, you go begin to look at Jeremiah and he says, I consecrated you before I made you in your mother's womb. We go, you go to Psalm 139 and there we find that before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. Those are important texts for us, given what's uh, going on in our culture with Roe versus Wade today and the abortion conversation that's taking place. But listen, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Not only that, look at, uh, if you look down at verse 5, you'll see the next point. What else did he give us? He blessed us with this. It says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. He didn't just say, listen, you're going to be holy and blameless. He had even more blessing to give us. What is it there? What is he doing? What is that? We become his children, right? We become, we get adopted and brought into God's family. Isn't that a reason to praise him? He, it, this isn't some sterile salvation of a God who doesn't care about you. This is a God who says, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to declare you holy. And in the end, I'm going to make you holy when you stand before me. I'm going to make you new. But not just that, I want you to be my children. I want you to know that you have a parent, a father, who loves you. And he's going to do all that for us. It says he does it according to the kind intention of his will. He had a plan to do this, and he carried it out because he's the sovereign God of the universe. He can do it. If he has this plan, he can work it out. Now, he did all this. What does it say that we did in this text to deserve to be his son? Daniel's giving me hand signals. He's not talking, but he's giving me hand signals. Says nothing, all right? We didn't do anything to earn this uh, to be his sons. We didn't do anything except come by faith. And if we, when we get to chapter two, we'll see that even that faith it says is the gift of God, that He is working in us and through us at all times. Uh, but listen, this adoption of sons. You know how this worked in the Roman world. Say someone didn't have an heir, you didn't have a, a son, you know what they would do? The, the natural father sometimes would say, you know what, we're going to help this guy out. Maybe they would even request it. We're going to make sure his line doesn't end. And so the natural father would take his son and sell him as a slave to that landowner or that person. But as soon as he did it, the rights would go directly back to the natural father. In other words, you went and you said, I'm selling my son to you as a slave. He's going to be your heir. But as soon as you sign and you walk away, you get your legal rights back. Now, that's kind of strange, right? They had to do that three times to make sure you knew what you were doing. 
And after that third time, once that father signed it, that son was no longer his. He no longer had the responsibility of taking care of that father. He was now transferred to the other family. In other words, God knew what he was doing. When he decided to adopt us into his family, he brought us in for a purpose according to the kind intention of his will. And when we hear that, when we hear God has caused us to be born again and brought into his family according to the kind intention of his will, what are, what's our response to that in yellow there? To the praise of the glory of his grace, isn't it? And, and that's, that's really, it's such a simple text. He's done all this for you. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to become his children to the praise of the glory of his grace. And, you know, he didn't just give us a little grace. How does it say he gave it to us? He freely bestowed it on us. He poured it out on you and me. He lavishes his favor and kindness on us. So those are just two of the spiritual blessings we have. Look down at verse 7 and we'll see a third. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Now we're getting more into some specifics, right? Listen, it's one thing to say God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. It's one thing to say he's going to bring us into his family. But now we begin to ask, how in the world can a holy God do any of that? And we find the answer in verse 7. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Now what that means is you had amount of debt in your account. You were, you were so in debt, you would never, ever be able to pay it back. And it was all charged to you. It's like you went out and just uh, got a credit card and put thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on it. So at the end of the day, and then you got another credit card, and you took that one, and you paid off that credit card with that credit card, and you just maxed more and more out until you're looking at it going, there's no way I could ever repay this. Well, God's holy, and what that means is he must, and he's just, so he must punish sin. He can't just say, well, that debt is gone, right? He can't just wipe it out. He's not the, he's not the government. I shouldn't make jokes like that, right? But listen, he can't just wipe out your debt. And so he has to redeem us. He has to pay the price. And he did. He sent Jesus precisely to pay the price for your sin and for mine. And we again, we see it in the text. What does it mean that we have redemption through his blood? It means the forgiveness of our trespasses. Somebody tell me, what's a trespass? It's a sin, right? It's when we willfully violate God's laws, right? It's when we, when we sin, we choose to do it. It's not something we just accidentally did, although there are sins that we accidentally do. There are some things that we, there are sins of omission sometimes, things that we should have done that we didn't, that we didn't even maybe realize. We see that a lot in the Old Testament laws. Sometimes, you know how easy it would have been to just not do one of those laws because you forgot that day? I mean, it, it would have been possible, right? But here, a transgression, the, the trespass, means we actively and willfully violated uh, the sin, we, his law. So then, we have this redemption. He has bought our debt off of us. He canceled all the sin Miss Pat had ever done. There's just a little bit, Miss Pat. But he, he canceled it all. 
And it says, according, he did it according to what? The riches of his what? Grace. Grace, right? It always comes back to grace. It's his just his unmerited, undeserved favor and kindness, even towards us. And then it says again, how did he put it on us? Was it just a little bit? How's it say in the text there? What's it say in verse 7 or verse 8? He lavished it on us. Now, I don't use the word lavish very often. Anybody, can anybody tell me what that means? Extravagant, a whole bunch. I mean, if I go to a feast and it's lavish, I'm thinking there's just, it's just decked out as much as you can get. I mean, I'm thinking this table is piled up with food. Um, I'm going to stop talking about dinner. But he lavishes his grace on us. He doesn't just give us a little bit, brother. He gives us all of it. I mean, this is the, the, the God of all the universe, and he is infinitely loving and kind towards us in Christ. Look at verse 9, and we'll see the fourth blessing, the fourth spiritual blessing he gives us. It says, In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. See what he did? He made known to us, he told us the mystery of his plan. This plan, this kind intention that he had, he didn't leave you in the dark. He sent somebody with the gospel to bring it to you. But not only that, it's already written in the pages of Scripture. He revealed it to the gospel writers. And even if you go back and, and let me turn to Hebrews 1 very quickly. If you have your Bible in your, in your I hope you do. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Uh, as we begin to read through that passage, what we see is God has been revealing himself since the beginning. He spoke through the fathers. You think Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and you go through all those and all the Old Testament prophets. They knew there was a salvation coming. They knew there was a Savior coming. But they didn't have all the information yet, did they? But now in Christ, it has all been explained and made known to us. So much that even after his death, he continued to explain it to the disciples. The Holy Spirit has worked through them to inspire the scriptures so that we can come today and go, and as part of God's blessing, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, which according to this was according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Christ. It was all set up from the beginning. He had a plan to save us, and that plan was found in Jesus. Now, verse 10 gets a little more complicated. Your translation may be different than mine, but it says, He did all that with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Here's what we know. In the fullness of time, at the end, when Christ returns... All things culminate in Him. All things find themselves in Christ. All things are subjected to His feet. All things are under His control. And we are with Him in glory. We are together with Him 
forever. And this plan that he has worked out, the choosing us before the foundation of the world, the predestining us to be adopted as sons, the redemption through the blood of Christ, even making this known is suitable for us. Why? Because, listen, all things are going to be summed up in Christ. It's all rushing us towards that point in history when all things find their, all, their be-all, end-all in him. Look, listen, this sky, it says, will be rolled back like a scroll. This earth will be burned up as if by fire, refreshed. Sometimes some verses say renewed. Some of them say destroyed. And so what it, what it means is this earth will be in a, at the end, will be in such a way that it will be as if it were destroyed and he will make it new. There's a restoration of creation, a restoration of our relationship with him. And it's all coming. Now, uh, we have read from Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Let me read the, the last in chapter 2, I think, where we finish this morning. Let me read this. I've got a different Bible. It's on a different place on my page this morning, <laughs> this evening. Let me go backwards. We're in, I'm in chapter 1. That's why I can't find the verse. All right, so we look at, uh, in your Bible, look at Philippians chapter 2. Look down at verse 9. It says, For this reason also God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Listen to this. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what I want you to understand out of that. At the last day, every knee will bow. All things will be summed up in Christ. He will be the head of all things. All will give him glory. Those that are already going on, those who are on the earth when he, that when he comes, those, it says, who are under the earth, who I would assume that means even those who have died and did not go to heaven, they will acknowledge who he is. Their knee will bow before him. doesn't mean they're getting to heaven. They had their chance. But what it means is all this plan, all of this has been according to the kind intention of his will so that at the end of this we would come and praise him for his glory, for his glory goodness for just for who he is verse five and uh, verse 11 back in ephesians chapter one we have a fifth blessing spiritual blessing that's described here it says in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in christ would be to the praise of his glory Verse 11, what is the spiritual blessing there? What have we obtained? An inheritance. What inheritance are we talking about? All right, we've got God's glory. Okay, what inheritance? Eternal life. Right, doesn't Peter tell us there's an inheritance laid up for you in heaven? And, and John, what did Jesus tell him? Listen, I'm going to my Father, and I'm going to do what? Prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you with me. Isn't that what he says? I'm paraphrasing. That's not the exact verse, right? But isn't that, the, isn't that what he says? In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Some versions say mansions. But here's the thing. All we know is we get a place in God's house. I don't care if it's a mansion. I don't care if it's a, a little cot in the corner. We get a place in God's house, and that's the point of it, isn't it? that Jesus has prepared a place for us, and he's going to bring us back, and we have an inheritance. And we got it 
according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. This is, remember I told you, this is salvation from God's perspective, isn't it? That who's in charge and sitting on the throne of history? God is. Who's in, and so he's able to guarantee these promises that he is making here. And he's telling us, look, he predestined us according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, and of course we're not the first to hope, we've come generations and generations after, but do you hope in Christ? Do you believe that the promises that he's made are going to come true? You do, don't you? And so what we find out of that is we also have a purpose that we would be to the what? Look at the verse, end of verse 12. What is our purpose in this? He saved us, and he does all this so that we would be to the praise of his glory. That all of this has come all the way back and say, listen, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And he's done all that. We bless him by being to the praise of his glory. We ourselves are his workmanship. He has made you and built you into the person that you are. He's given you faith. He's sustained you. He had a plan from before you were born to bring you into his family. And he's done it so that from all eternity you can sing his praises and glory. Isn't that what he's done? Isn't that beautiful? That that's the kind of God we serve. And somebody's saying, well, he's kind of egomaniac, isn't he? I mean, isn't he kind of crazy? Because if I told you I wanted you to sing my praises, I wanted you to just be there for my glory, that would be kind of psychotic, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't that be crazy? But why can he do it? Was that? Because he's worthy of it. He's the only one worthy of it because he's the creator. He's the only one who's infinitely good and just and loving and merciful and holy. He's the only one that's really good, isn't he? And it's not, there is no one else. And so if he says worship me, it's because, listen, he's the only one worthy of worship. Verse 13, we get one more blessing. It says, in him... You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Listen, we we don't have a lot of time left. When you were saved, when you believed, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. He sent the Spirit to live and dwell in you. He guides you even now. He's the one that made you alive in Him. And, th- and we have all those blessings, but listen, that, that word there, he's, our, he's the stamp of approval. He's the message saying, listen, I've stamped this person. I've marked him. I've put my name on his forehead. He's mine. Does that remind you a little bit of, of Revelation? When they, some people have the mark of God on their forehead and some people have the mark of the beast on their forehead. You know what the difference is there? If you belong to Christ, you've been sealed with the Spirit. If you have the mark of the beast, it's not some microchip. Sorry, Bobby. We had that conversation one day. 
But listen, it's not a microchip, and we know it. What that would say, unless they come with a microchip and say, if you would like to renounce your faith, you can get this microchip. Okay, well, then maybe it's the microchip, right? It's a mark of ownership. He's saying, this one is mine. Another word where it says the, he is the pledge of our inheritance means he's the down payment. He's paid it, and he will pay it in full because he keeps his promises. In other words, all this to say, all this great blessing, it's coming. It is yours. In a moment, we're going to sing a, a song of um, invitation. But before I do, I have any questions tonight. That's a scary thing to do, but I'm going to ask it. Do you have any questions or thoughts, something that stands out for you, a way this has blessed you tonight? That's a good one, isn't it? So he said that he's always heard that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That he's pouring out his riches and kindness on us. But it wasn't free, was it? Not for him. It's free for you and free for me. But salvation is the gift of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have blessed us tonight. I thank you that even before the foundation of the world, you knew us. And Father, I pray that you would give us comfort and rest in knowing that you, the sovereign God of the universe, know our names. That you have called us to be adopted into your family. Father, we thank you for that blessing. That you didn't take it lightly because you redeemed us through the blood of Christ. That only his blood can give us these great gifts. And so indeed, Father, as you richly lavish your grace on us, it wasn't free for you. Tonight, we give you praise and honor for that. We speak well of you. We know all the things that you've done. Father, help us to always remember to be thankful and to praise you. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.